Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. This is episode number 105, and this time we're going to explore shooting in the wintertime. So let's get to it. You actually can shoot in the cold. There's some misunderstanding about whether your camera will work when it's cold out. The answer is, yeah, it will but expect less battery life as the cold does impact your battery efficiency. You might need to carry a spare battery, and if you do, keep it inside your jacket to keep it warm. It's going to last longer that way. Your camera does have a minimum temperature rating that is occasionally a bit overcautious. You should be fine down to about minus 20 Celsius, but if you're going to be out in the wind and the cold for an extended period, such as on a polar bear safari, you might want to consider using a protective housing. For the rest of us, just put your camera in your camera bag when you're not using it. I've never found a need to put those hot hands packs in a bag, but I've used them in a pocket to keep the batteries warm. When we are shooting in the cold, one of the things we do need to think about is managing the condensation that can be created when we first go outside or when we come back inside. If you've ever worn eyeglasses, you've experienced frost rhymes building up when you first head into the cold and fogging up when you come inside. Your camera's going to go through the same thing. This is easy to manage with a simple plastic covering, such as the Optech ones that you'll find in camera stores, or if you get really stuck, a heavy gauge plain old plastic bag is going to do a pretty decent job for you. The idea is to wrap your camera in the plastic before you go outside. When you go out, the camera's already going to be warm, and that's going to produce some condensation-type effects. You want that condensation to happen on the outside of the bag rather than on the outside of the camera. After a few minutes, the camera temperature and, of course, the bag itself are going to equalize to the cold, and at that point, you can remove it from the protective covering. Now, if it's snowing very heavily, or if it's wet and rainy, or you're getting some of that horrible sleet stuff, keep it in the bag for shooting unless you're certain that your camera and lenses are properly weather sealed. Be cautious with that whole term weather sealing. Sometimes some manufacturers might be a little optimistic about what it means. The Opteca covers that you can find are designed to help you shoot in these kind of conditions and they provide very inexpensive protection. They'll fit over the camera and they'll even have a hole for the end of the lens to poke through. This is also a good time to remember to always use a lens hood. It helps you seal that cover, if you will, around the end of the lens, but it will also help protect you from getting sleet, snow, ice, whatever, on the front element of your lens. When you're finished shooting or you're ready to go inside, even a warm car, if you've had that camera out of the plastic protection, put it back inside that protective cover and seal it up as best you can. Bring the camera back inside and allow the camera to reach the ambient temperature inside that protective cover. Any condensation that's going to form is going to form on the outside of the plastic cover, and once the camera has warmed up, you can remove it to get at your memory cards and battery without any concerns about damage due to condensation. One of the greatest times I see condensation happening is actually getting in and out of a car. 
even when we've been outside, the car interior is probably not as cold. And particularly if we've driven someplace to go photograph, unless we've been out of the car for many hours, it's probably going to be warmer than the outside conditions. Now that we've talked about how we're going to deal with the cold and the condensation potential, let's look at some best practices for winter landscapes. First and foremost, we recognize that snow is white, or at least it should be white. We remember that our camera meter is going to try to average everything it sees to a middle gray. So if you've got a predominance of white in your scene, the meter guidance for a snow scene is going to be wrong. And in fact, it's going to try to make that white gray and underexpose the whole shot. And this is where exposure compensation is your friend. In order to get the meter to give you metering appropriate to the scene where the scene is predominantly white, you're going to need to lighten up that averaged gray. So you're going to be adding some exposure. This is where our friend exposure compensation is going to make a huge amount of difference. Now there's no general rule that you use that works all the time, but you can certainly start with an exposure compensation of plus one EV one stop, take a shot and then check your LCD to see if white snow is actually white. Now, if it's very bright outside, you might need to use a loop like a Hoodman loop to cut any glare across that. If you're shooting with a mirrorless camera, you can actually just check your electronic viewfinder if your camera has one. If you need more whitening, well, then you're going to increase the exposure compensation of plus two and try again. Doing a couple of test shots before embarking on your entire photo excursion is going to save you a lot of frustration after the fact. And as we all know, if we have to add exposure in post-processing, we're decreasing the signal to noise ratio and we're adding, well, at least we're running the risk of adding noise as we lift the entire exposure. For me, I've found that, you know, with a lot of experience, I start with my exposure compensation set at plus one and two thirds. As soon as I head outside, and that worked pretty well with great consistency. You know, sometimes it's a little bit overexposed, but I'd rather be a bit overexposed because I can always drop that down rather than trying to raise an underexposed shot. I might add more, more use less if my scene is not predominantly white. Unlike film, digital images handle moderate overexposure very well. And if you need it, you can always adjust the overall exposure down after the fact, whether you're shooting JPEGs or RAWs. Adding exposure after the fact on a digital image will always increase digital noise. That's not your fault. It's how sensors work. When you're heading outside in the wintertime, don't forget your polarizing filter, particularly if you're shooting on a clear, bright, sunny day. The sky is filled with polarized light and snow is highly reflective. And thus the light reflected from it is highly polarized. A polarizing filter will go a long way to manage the reflections and will really pull amazing blues out of the sky. Remember to even take it when the day is overcast because the polarized light is still coming off the snow. Now it's going to have a lot less effect to be sure, but even a small cut of polarized light will help you make better photos. You might find that you're able to pick up better shadow detail and get a better sense of texture, particularly on those overcast days. A good polarizer will make a big improvement and last a long time. So when you are making the investment, do spend the money on a higher quality filter 
as an alternative to the most inexpensive option that you might encounter. And if you want my opinion, I'd stay the hell away from house brands. My, I've had huge success with the B plus W, uh, MRC polarizers. I use a B plus W MRC caseman polarizer. They are crazy expensive, but it's also the best polarizing filter I've ever used. I've just seen so many bad effects coming from cheap polarizers that really, really discourage the users. A good polarizer will last years and years and years. So make the investment. We often want to include family and friends in our winter images. Remember that overexposure mentioned earlier is critical to avoid having their faces and clothing become too dark. And that's why a setting that works on a landscape will also work on photographs of people in a landscape. It's really popular to do group shots, say at the top of a hill, when everyone gets off the ski lift, whether they're skiing or snowboarding. This is where that bit of overexposure and your polarizing filter are really going to shine. Don't forget the opportunity for black and white photography in winter scenes. Now I've heard this thing, if the light's not right, go black and white, which I think is probably one of the stupidest things I have ever heard. Shooting black and white well is much harder than shooting color well. But if you've got an overcast winter scene, that's a great time to learn how to use your spot meter, to learn how to use the zone system, and to create some truly incredible black and white images. So don't let the cold be a reason to put your camera down or leave it trapped in the bag. There's always plenty to photograph in the wintertime, and you can make beautiful images and videos during the cold seasons. If you're shooting stills, don't forget to make a nice large print of your best image and put it up on the wall. Do you have an idea for an article, tutorial, video, or podcast? Do you have an imaging question that's not related to this particular topic? Send me an email directly at ross at thephotovideoguy.ca or leave a post in the comments. If you do choose to email your questions on any imaging topic, I'll try to respond within a day. If you shop with B&H Photo Video, please consider doing so through the link on thephotovideoguy.ca as this helps support my efforts and it has no negative impact whatsoever on your shopping experience. If you find this podcast, the videos or articles of value, please consider clicking the donation tab in the sidebar of the website and buy me a coffee. Your coffee donation actually goes to help me keep things going here. I'm Ross Chevalier. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. And until next time, peace.